the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, the House of Representatives impeaches Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. House Speaker Mike Johnson. I don't believe there's ever been a cabinet secretary who was so blatantly, openly, willfully, and without remorse did exactly the opposite of what the federal law requires them to do. We'll hear more from former Border Chief Mark Morgan. What's happening is absolutely jeopardizing our nation's safety and national security. And former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Yeah, it's an invasion. We'll look at the report on President Biden from Special Counsel Robert Hur with Andrew McCarthy. I don't agree with Joe Biden about anything, but I think he probably loves America. Oh, so yeah. Do the right thing and, and step down. And the conclusion so many are coming to. Right now, Hugh, and I don't take any pleasure in saying this, but I wouldn't let him ride around my backyard right now. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Great to be with you. Catch my program each weekday morning, live 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time and on demand 24-7. Learn more at HughHewitt.com. And follow me, please, on X at Hugh Hewitt. Follow this program on X as well at the Town Hall Review. Town Hall Review is part of the Salem Podcast Network. We'll begin in the House of Representatives where, on Tuesday night, the Republican majority voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. It was a successful vote on the narrowest of margins, with a vote of 214 to 213. House Speaker Mike Johnson addressed the press after the vote. I'm not the greatest historian and scholar, but I am a student of history. And I'll tell you, in my review and my understanding and everything I've known and read and studied over the years, I don't believe there's ever been a cabinet secretary who was so blatantly, openly, willfully, and without remorse, did exactly the opposite of what the federal law requires them to do. There has been conversation about whether or not the impeachment vote will matter, whether it will serve to change things on the ground. But there is no disputing the fact that we have an unprecedented border crisis, and Mayorkas is the man tasked with border security. Mark Morgan was acting commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Protection in the Trump administration. He was a guest of Joe Piscopo on AM 970, The Answer, in New York City. Mark Morgan told us the reason for the invasion, particularly at the southwestern border of the United States of America, is to blow out voting districts so they have to change, and they have to change those districts, and they make them more amenable to the people in power, and that would be, unfortunately, the current-day Democrats. Mark, welcome back to the show. Commissioner, great to have you with us. You called it, Mark, and it's happening, man. I don't know how to reverse it, but it's happening, is it not? It is, Joe, and I'll tell you what brings me down. Every time I hear Secretary Amaricus on the Sunday talk show talk, I mean, he's just yeah. – he's, he's absolutely not be truthful with the yeah. American people. You know, yeah. Joe, it's one thing – look, look, one thing that makes our country great, hey, we could disagree on, on policy, 
That's great. And, and don't get me wrong. I disagree with every single policy they've implemented when it comes to border. But what we don't get to do is uh, cabinet-level officials intentionally mislead and lie to American people. And that's why Secretary Mayorkas is going to be impeached. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm listening to the guy, and they go, no, the con- it's Congress, Congress, Congress. It's not. Mark, yep. walk us through this. I've asked a thousand times, and whether uh, you're kind enough to come on, we have Chad Wolf come on, Tom Holman comes on. Yep. but And you also say same thing. It's in Biden's hands and not that he knows what's going on, but whoever's handling the White House, it's in their hands because they undid what was a safe border and they could they could bring it back and he could do it with an executive order with a stroke of the pen. Correct. Joe, you're absolutely right. And that's just the the first layer of lies that gets so frustrating. He keeps talking about what Congress needs to do. Yes, there are laws that are broken. That's absolutely correct. I've been an advocate for, for laws being changed. But here's the issue. Think about this. Under President Trump, we were operating under the same yeah, we had the numbers of crossing down to the lowest level in 40 years, uh, uh, operating under the same laws. This administration has the highest numbers coming across our border in the history of our nation since we've been keeping data since 1924. And, Joe, this is the same president that enacted 94 executive orders that destroyed the network of tools, authorities, and policies that President Trump gave us. I'll, I'll name just a couple. The asylum cooperative agreements with all three Northern Triangle countries, gone. The Remain in Mexico program, gone. He stopped building the wall, gone. This, this secretary, he has restricted ICE, and, and their ability to remove people now has been decimated, while at the same time, we've had the highest number of illegal aliens crossing our borders. Joe, I could keep going on with those 94 orders. He could, he could take that same pen and hmm. reinstate the executive orders and secure the border. I'm telling you, I don't know why the press doesn't, like, I feel like it's an uphill battle every time we're talking about it, Mark, because it, it can be done. And, and then I read this uh, from the New York Post. Northern states see highest record of border crossing as migrants take advantage of lax laws to get into Canada. Border crossings from Canada into upstate New York, New Hampshire, and Vermont reached a record number last year as migrants take advantage of understaffing and the lack of fencing at the northern border now. Now they're walking in at the northern border. More than 12,200 migrants were apprehended crossing illegally. How many of those what we call gotaways got in, I wonder, Mark Morgan? Joe, look, you bring a great point. And and so this is another reason why the the, the bill that that was pushed forward by the Senate, it's a a fail. And and you represent one of the many issues of the bill why why it's a fail. It doesn't address the northern border. There's nothing in the bill that was put forth that Senator Langford was a part of that addresses the northern border. We have a crisis at our northern border, too. It doesn't address the coastal areas, and it didn't address the unlawful use of parole. This administration, Secretary Myricus, have have been flying in about 50,000 to 60,000 otherwise illegal aliens into our borders and calling it a legal pathway. And that bill did nothing to address that. This border bill, I mean, no, it's not making sense to anybody. And thank goodness it was shot down. And I think it could be the end of uh, Senator McConnell as well. But 
They got to do something. And now when when these people are, people are coming in and when you have the problems in New York, now that we have a real problem attacking police officers. And, and again, you got to tell me if I'm wrong, because it seems too easy, but no one else is talking about it. So you got gangs in South America, Central America, wherever they are. Yep. And then they send these people in. These are gang members sent in from the cartels. Are they? This is what the smash and grab robberies are because they're making money. And then I guess the, the, walk me through the people that are coming in about crime. Number two, fentanyl. Number three, it's like the people are coming in from communist China. What is that all about? Think about this. Yeah, Joe. Joe, and there's not even, there, there's so much. The vast complex threats coming across our border, it's too many to talk about in, in, in one show segment, and that's what's frustrating. So, so look, we talk about the drugs coming across the fentanyl. Well, the last year and a half, we finally started talking about the national security threats coming through. We finally started talking about the existential threat from, from bad actors like China and Russia that are coming through. But, but New York, don't get me wrong, I'm glad that we're talking about New York. But that brutal attack on the police officers, Joe, that, that's just a microcosm of the bigger issue. That's just, a, that's just a little tiny bit of what's happening. In the past 36 months, Border Patrol and CBP have encountered over 90,000 criminal aliens, murderers, rapists, pedophiles, aggravated felons, and gang members. Now go to the 1.9 million known gotaways. Joe, there are murderers, rapists, pedophiles, and aggravated felons pouring across our border and, and calling the United States home now every single day. ICE, just in a week period, ICE arrested 171 criminals uh, in this country just in a couple of days off, including murderers and pedophiles. Last year, yeah. ICE arrested 73,000 criminal illegal aliens in the United States. Wow. Thousands oh. of murderers, uh, aggravated felons, pedophiles, the list goes on and on. That's why we say that what's happening is absolutely jeopardizing our nation's safety and national security. I have tracked with Secretary Mayorkas and his numerous appearances before Congress. I see what many of you have seen. Let me just say he has been less than forthcoming when testifying. Scott Walker is the former governor of Wisconsin. He's also a former candidate for president. Walker was a guest of Dan Proft and A.B. Jacobson on AM560, The Answer in Chicago. Uh, The White House generally didn't want to talk publicly about immigration or the border for much of Biden's first three years, feeling it would draw attention to a political vulnerability. Right. If we just ignore it, it'll go away. Publicly, the White House also downplayed jumps in illegal border crossings as normal ebbs and flows, even as some internally pushed to acknowledge that the problem was significant. Right. Uh, It was no big deal. We have a situation down there, ebbs and flows. Now it's a full-blown crisis, and we've done everything we can. And it's not our responsibility, as Ali Mayorkas said on Meet the Press over the weekend, not our responsibility. It's been broken for a long time. Congress failed to act. Not my fault. Okay, sure. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's an invasion. (laughs) He doesn't get it. It's an invasion at our southern border. Well, I think it's I think it's actually worse than an invasion. I keep uh, offering this distinction in response to that characterization. It's an importation by our federal government. It's purposeful. Yeah, they're the ones sponsoring well, it's an invasion. it. It's why yeah, it's why I stand with Texas. I stand with Greg Abbott. I think he's a hundred percent right. And uh, people, so many people in the media don't understand what the Supreme Court did. They did not rule against Texas being able to protect themselves and stuff. Uh, invasion, deportation, whatever you want to call it, uh, they just said that the federal government, until this case worked itself out, could continue to send federal employees in to cut down the fencing and barbed wire that the state of Texas is putting up, which, of course, is counterintuitive. You're actually trying to solve the problem 
and instead our federal tax dollars are going to counter the one elected official who's actually trying to do something about it, and that's the governor of Texas. It is absolutely insane, but it, it's part of a not only part of the, the, the federal government doing this, but I worry it's part of uh, what China is trying to do to take us on without even firing a shot. You know, put fentanyl into America, see all these kids overdose, do all these other crazy things that undermine this country without even uh, issuing a military attack. It, it's unfortunately, uh, I think, part of a larger plan. Well, Governor Walker, what is the larger plan? I mean, are you saying that Biden has let these millions of people come in over the last three years to maybe build up the Democratic base? Well, it's, it's a combination that I think that's certainly where many on the left presumably like to see things at. I also think it's a problem they're, they're being an unnecessary ally. Uh, Peter Schweitzer's got a book coming out at the end of this month. He's the one that did Red Handed uh, two few years ago. He did Clinton Cash. I believe he's going to document uh, very specifically after extensive research the involvement of the Chinese Communist Party along the border and the impact that that's happening. And again, if if your goal, if you're Xi Jinping, if you've got a long, long game, a long view uh, to, to undermine America, he knows he can't compete against our military strength, at least at this moment. Uh, but they can certainly undermine us, not just at the border, but with TikTok, with all these other things going on. Uh, it is clear that there's a concerted effort against the United States. And at best, Joe Biden's a useful idiot in that regard. Coming up, the release of the report from Special Counsel Robert Hur. Joe Biden may be mentally compromised and diminished right now, but the issue in a criminal case is what was his state of mind at the time the criminal acts took place. When the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. This is Dennis Prager, and now a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. For an hour each month, get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. I'll be answering your questions. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Both of the leading candidates for the office of president have been the subject of special counsel inquiries over the handling of classified documents. Special counsel Robert Hurd led the investigation into President Biden. When the Department of Justice released Hurd's report a week ago, Thursday, Hurd came to the conclusion that, quote, no criminal charges are warranted. But it is the picture he draws of Joe Biden that emerged that has garnered so much attention. I'd sum it up simply. President Biden is very clearly impaired. I turn to former federal prosecutor Andrew McCarthy. Andy, uh, you live near New York City and you know what traffic is like. Would you let President Biden drive around New York City if he was if you two were driving somewhere together? Would you let him get behind the wheel? Oh, my God. I, I, right now, Hugh, I, and I don't take any pleasure in saying this. This is not about politics. It's about the. Uh being humane, but I wouldn't let him ride around my backyard right now. That's that is basically it. We're talking about the president should resign. And I'm very adamant about this because it's dangerous. But the her report, which is the predicate for my going from he shouldn't win reelection to he should resign right now, 
uh, was discussed by you and Rich Lowry in the McCarthy report. And I, I want to salute you for walking through it. And I want to be that professional. Would you explain to us why the her report was released when it didn't have to be released? Yeah, the regulations that control this, you uh, the special counsel regulations in the CFR, they provide that the special counsel must write a report at the end explaining his charging decisions. And it's not just a matter of trying to make an evaluation of how a person, if you charged him, would affect a jury in terms of what the person's uh, mental capacity might be. That goes to the importance of, you know, whether he committed the offenses that are charged, which we can talk about because there's a temporal difference between, you know, when you commit the offenses and, and how, what his condition might be now. But importantly, you know, a U.S. attorney, when I was a prosecutor for 20 years and I was explaining why we shouldn't charge somebody when the evidence appeared to be sufficient, one of the things that you'd be expected to explain is we might be in a six-month-to-a-year litigation over whether the guy is fit to stand trial. And even if a defendant doesn't want to raise that, a competent defense lawyer would raise it. So you would have to lay that all out in the report. So the report requires that the special counsel give this information in the form of the report to the attorney general. Then it's up to the attorney general to decide what, if any, portions of the report to release and I think the, the thing is that we've had this wave of special prosecutors since the 1970s, and there's come to be a public and political expectation that these reports get publicized. But they're presumptively in the regulations, they're confidential. Explicitly what the reg says is the special counsel shall provide a confidential report to the attorney general laying out what I just described. And then it's up to the attorney general how much of it to publicize. So in this instance, that decision was made by Merrick Garland. I understand that there would have been a political firestorm if he redacted portions or withheld the report. But the fact of the matter is, this is a decision that Merrick Garland made, not the special counsel. Andrew, in your opinion, did the report, the her report, quote, exonerate, close quote, Joe Biden? Well, no, obviously it didn't. I mean, you know, look. If you're talking to you about, you know, we think the jury would be sympathetic to him, then you're already, as a prosecutor, at the point of having decided that he committed all the acts that are necessary to violate the law. And what we're down to is we have sufficient evidence that we can get to a jury on intent. It's just a question of how they'll weigh it. So already out of the box, if you're talking about how we, you know, how his condition would impact the jury you've already decided that he did the acts that were necessary to commit the crime. And then I think the report is flawed on two grounds, primarily. One is the special counsel, her, found willfulness, which is the highest mental element standard in the criminal law. The statute, 793, which is uh, the codification of the Espionage Act, it only requires finding gross negligence. So if you found willfulness, gross negligence should be a layup. I don't really think he evaluated it under that. It's like they it's like they pretend that provision. It's like doing Hillary Clinton all over again. It's like they pre pretend that provision uh, is not in the statute. 
And then the second thing, which I referred to a second ago, is this temporal aspect of it. Um, Joe Biden may be mentally compromised and diminished right now, but the issue in a, in a criminal case is what was his state of mind at the time the criminal acts took place? So if he's a diminished person now, that's one thing. But if you look at the, the incidents we're talking about, some of this goes back to when he was in the Senate, which is I think he left the Senate 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, and some of it is when he's in the, the vice presidency, which I think he left eight years ago. So we're talking about a very different Joe Biden at the time the acts got committed. Right now, his mental state may be relevant to whether he's fit to stand trial, which is a very different issue from what his mental state was at the time the acts were committed. Andrew, over the last eight years, we've had four cases involving either classified documents or the um, False Statements Act. We've got Hillary Clinton, who uh, is associated with Jim, James Comey, though he's an investigator, not a prosecutor there. We've got Joe Biden in the Her report. We've got Donald Trump and the Mueller report and Donald Trump and the Jack Smith report. And, and we had Michael Flynn's case. Are the standards across these five cases the same standard when it comes to classified documents and false statements? No, they've been treated very differently. They, the, you know, Trump, every bounce of the ball has gone against him. Uh, and every bounce of the ball has gone in favor of the Democrat, including, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton in particular, um, just to show how different the standards of investigation were. In the Trump investigations, it became routine for the prosecutors to go to the court and get the attorney-client privilege waived so that attorneys could testify uh, against their clients and provide information that uh, the court said was uh, the attorney-client privilege was pierced because of what's known as the crime fraud exception. In the Hillary Clinton investigation, the Obama-Biden Justice Department consulted with the Clinton lawyers about what the FBI would be allowed to look at and even what questions they would be allowed to ask. So I, I think you, from soup to nuts, the cases have been handled very differently. So let's get to the most important thing. I am of the firm opinion that the president is impaired, and that's dangerous, Andy. Do you think it is a legitimate position to hold? And tell me if you don't, that the president ought to resign. No, I think it's a totally legitimate position. I believe it as well. Um, even though I'm um, a lawyer and even play one on TV occasionally, I, I think the way the framers set up our government, most of the important conclusions are political ones rather than legal ones. And the 25th Amendment is a political conclusion. You know, if the vice president and half the cabinet invoke it, the amendment allows them to do it. If the president's compromised, he's 81 and he's thinking about being president until he's 86. I mean, are you kidding the way he's functioning now? So I, I, I don't agree with Joe Biden about anything, but I think he probably loves America. Oh, yeah. Do the right thing and, and step down. Coming up. Our work crisis. We have right now the same amount of them working or looking for work that we did in the Great Depression. David Bonson from the Town Hall Review returns in a moment. To 
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Wanted. 2.7 million male workers in their prime working years. A big reason many employers are still struggling to find qualified job candidates is that the share of Americans working or looking for jobs is at 62.4%, well below its pre-pandemic level of 63.4%. Those are just a couple of sentences from an article last year in USA Today. The short of it, we are facing a work crisis, particularly among men. David Bonson is the founder of The Bonson Group, a financial management firm. I talked to him about his new book, Full-Time, Work, in the meaning of life. You see him on CNBC all the time, but today I want to talk about this book, Full Time, David's brand new book, Work in the Meaning of Life, and it's fabulous. I want to compliment you on your chapter on retirement, and you're so far away from retirement, I don't know why you even wrote it, but I'm not. I'm only five years away from it, maybe six. What are your key message, David? So essentially what I'm saying is that God made us for the purpose of work, the identity we have as human beings is connected to what we do. Uh, you're right. Even though I turned 50 this year, you would think I have a ways to go to retirement. But as you know, Hugh, I've been in a financial position to retire for quite some time. It's just that I find the idea of decades of idleness and dormancy depressing. But even more, I find it disobedient. I believe God made us to be productive, and that includes people in senior years of their life that still have something to contribute. And selfishly, Hugh, I want the expertise and the experience of older people with more seasoning, veteran experience. I want their contributions in the marketplace. I think this notion that we are to have a 30-year vacation at the end of our lives is hurting the economy, and it's hurting the soul of society. You're right. Full Time is the great sequel, although it's not by the same author, to Arthur Brooks' From Strength to Strength, because it is actually about why work is important and how we are called and created to from a Christian perspective. You know, I had an, a, a discussion this weekend uh, with why we're in a cultural crisis, and part of it is nobody says the gospel is true anymore, but part of it is you diagnosed it. People aren't aren't working like they used to, and they don't want to. And that's a problem. Well, it's a huge problem. And I want to point out that it's prime working age men where the biggest problem lies. Those from age 25 to 54 that we have right now the same amount of them working or looking for work that we did in the Great Depression. 
Okay. Wow. I mean, there there are is three or four percent unemployment, so there's a very limited number of lack of jobs. There's a huge number of lack of workers. That's the categorical distinction between now and the depression. Is back then everybody wanted a job, there just weren't jobs. Today we have the polar opposite: a lack of workers, and it's not because they're seventy or because they're sixteen. Those are totally separate problems, but I'm saying prime working age men voluntarily leaving the workforce. It's a cultural epidemic. You also write in full time that the church has failed to address this issue. Indeed, they might be contributing. The church writ broadly, meaning every pastor, every denomination, they don't talk about work the right way. They talk about work-life balance, which is a fine thing to talk about, but they don't talk about sort of the redemptive calling of work. And you want to expand on that? Because I want every pastor to read this. Well, I think you're right. It's a good way to put it. They don't talk about the redemptive aspect of work. And I do this very ecumenically. Like yourself, Hugh, I have, I've learned a great deal from Pope John Paul II. I quote him heavily through the book, even though myself as a Protestant evangelical, I also quote heavily Tim Keller. Every good endeavor is created by God. And he did it before sin entered the world. He did it from the Garden of Eden, making us to be productive as he was productive. And he didn't talk about work-life balance. He talked about work for six days, rest for one day, a beautiful biblical paradigm of how these things ought to work. And I think through that, we get an idea of what life is supposed to be, what our identity is supposed to be. And then you build culture, you build civilization, you invent the iPhone, you do things to create goods and services that make a better quality of life for humanity. And in through all this, God is redeeming it to himself. It's a beautiful theology, and the church has gotten away from it. And if I knew you were written about it full time, I would have told you the story about a friend of mine from my local church who uh, lost his gig, real estate guy, in the 2008 collapse. And so he went to work at Trader Joe's. Why? Because he went to work. I mean, you got to work. You got to finish. There is no reason not to be working right now. There are jobs everywhere. And people who tell themselves it's not good enough for them. I love the fact that you're a band manager, by the way. What, What sort of a band were you a manager of? Oh, they were very big uh, Christian music bands back in the 90s. You'd be quite surprised. I've been okay. bands that sold millions of records. Yeah. You didn't tell us that, but, but, but I, I'm look, curious. You, you, you know, your thing on the Trader Joe's example, I don't think people realize how many multimillionaires there are out there tearing tickets at Disneyland or checking you in at a restaurant because they just they exited their professional career, but they want to stay active. They want to stay involved. I think it's a beautiful thing. Coming up. The reason he is not prosecuting President Biden is because the president is simply too mentally compromised. Correct. More on the Robert Hur report when the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher. I start every day by reading through the stories at Daybreak Insider. In just 10 minutes, I can zip through 10 stories that help me start my day and help shape where I go with the Mike Gallagher Show. Over a quarter million people get Daybreak Insider by email daily. And it's available to you at no cost. Go to daybreakinsider.com and simply plug in your email. That's daybreakinsider.com. In five minutes, you will be the most informed person in the office. That's daybreakinsider.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. The picture that emerged of Joe Biden and the Biden administration from the report of special counsel Robert Hur. A report that we examined earlier in the program is not a pleasant one. In fact, you'd be absolutely justified if you're disturbed and concerned. Seth Leibson is. 
he turned to a regular on his program, Brandon Weikert, from AM960, The Patriot, in Phoenix. This cannot go on. It, it well, simply cannot, or I don't recognize well, my fellow countrymen anymore. Or is their ideology so strong that they just don't care? What's going on here? I, well, it's ideology. They don't. So, look, basically, I think Nixon is a great comparison because Nixon was floored when the Republicans in the Senate, most of whom he got elected, uh, turned on him at the last, you know, at the end there. And now you and I know that was because it was the politically there was nothing more they could do. But if Nixon had been a Democrat, as Biden is, um, the Senate Democrats would have stood by Nixon until the very end. And then they would have started manipulating things to make sure that he stays in power because he's one of theirs. This is a key difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. And so um, ideology is the unifying factor on the left, whereas on the right, there's a lot of egos. Everybody thinks they're the star of the show. And so they, they turn on each other at the end. Um, and then you've had the added problem today of we are, and we talked about this last yep. week. We're not the country we were even also, ten years ago. I know, you're right. And so you, it's not even a question of what our countrymen and women want, Seth. I believe fully that the system has been hijacked and corrupted by very powerful interests aligned closely with the Democratic Party. And I think that, I hope I'm wrong, but I think that it doesn't really matter what's going on with Biden. Because they've already made their investments in him, so he's going to continue on. And so I hope I'm wrong. I, I really do. Because under any sane circumstance, we now have a legal document, a legal document in which a, 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 a Department of Justice attorney has given a sworn statement that the reason he is not prosecuting Correct. President Biden is because the president is simply too mentally compromised. Correct. To be, I mean, so... He's mentally compromised to stand trial, but not to hold the nuclear codes. Right. Unless, and this is the dirty secret, he's not actually holding the nuclear codes. Okay. Some unelected partisan hack, Ron Klain type, psychotic liberal is the one actually holding the nuclear codes and pulling the strings. There's an old line, and I think it's 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 probably apocryphal, but it works. And it was someone. Um, it went something like, "I'd rather have a competent Turk." than an incompetent Christian, and it was supposedly said by an evangelical Christian making the point that I'd, you know, competency is, is more important than someone who agrees with my, you know, views of... The in the world. nuclear age, now more yeah. than ever. So, yes. So in the nuclear age, I, that's right. Now more than ever. But, all right, the heck with our fellow countrymen for a moment. Maybe we don't matter. But does Xi Jinping not matter? Does Vladimir Putin not matter? Did the mullahs not matter? They know this. And they have their sights on a lot of things that we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's open season on America until Biden is removed. Okay. And, you know, maybe the reason, you know, these these stories now are coming out from otherwise, you know, dutiful stenographers of the Biden administration at The New York Times and in the other mainstream media, so-called mainstream media, um, uh, you know, outlets is because maybe maybe they are planning to you know, do the switcheroo in May. But that man is occupying the Oval Office like Chernyenko. And I wrote about this at my column at the at the National Interest. Like Chernyenko, um, right. You know, he is America's Chernyenko. And yeah. it's the exact same thing. Chernyenko was a figurehead. Right. Chernyenko 
did not actually run anything. It was the apparatus chicks around him yes. who were running things, and they were unaccountable. And okay. that system fell apart largely because they had a guy like Chernyenko at the top, and, and the world was picking the, the Soviet Union clean because they knew they could run circles around that guy and his team, just like they now know they can do that to Biden. Okay, so why does it not frighten the H out of you and me and everyone in listening distance and the rest of the country that for all the prattling about us being a threat to democracy, we live in a constitutional republic or democracy, I don't even care at this point what you want to call it for the purposes of my question, and we don't know who's in charge? Uh, Well, it's the same amount of, you know, same kind of uh, question I ask about how many people adhered unquestioningly to the COVID mandate. Okay. You know, I would have never believed in my lifetime. And, and, you know, I was on your show in 2020. I was with President Trump 15 days to spread the, yeah. the, the you Slow know, whatever. The yep. But then mm-hmm. after after mm-hmm. 15 days, it didn't make any sense. But that was, you know, so even people like me who started out following Trump on this, we quickly saw it's not working like DeSantis saw. and we, we turned course. But most of the American people did not. I'd say overwhelming numbers of the American people were afraid and didn't want to give in to, um, you know, what people like you and I were saying, which is we need to start respecting the economy and freedom. They wanted to continue on blindly following the authorities. Um, And so that's, you know, that's the same kind of mentality that is now influencing people to not dare question the fact that the emperor has no clothes. And you cannot question it. Anybody who does is a racist, a bigot, a homophobe. You're going to get canceled. You're going to get tracked by the NSA. You're going to be put on a list somewhere where you're going to now be an enemy of the state. I do recall in 98 and 99 when cabinet officials, your Madeleine Albright types, um, realized that Bill Clinton was lying to them. They stopped carrying his water on television. It is debasing to watch whether it's Mayorkas or any of these spokesmen or Karen Jean-Pierre and others come on TV and say things like, oh, he's just fine. You should see him in private meetings. I saw Karen Jean-Pierre said he does more in an hour than most people do all day. No one believes him. And I don't know how they debase themselves by saying, I guess, power in the aphrodisia of it. I guess. I don't know. That's it right there. I mean, this is not your father's Democratic Party anymore. I mean, at the end of the day, it used to be, you're right, the Democrats ultimately could be trusted to do what was in their own best interest. But now... Now it's, it's for the party, that. capital is, P. Yeah, okay. It is the party like the old Soviet Union, everything for the party. Okay. And the party's whims change on a daily basis. And if you can't, you know, completely do a 180 on a daily basis, then you will get thrown out of the party. Just look at RFK Jr. Yep. RFK Jr. is not a conservative in any nope. way. And yet he has more now in common with yep. the right, nominally, yep. Yep. than he ever does with the Democratic and Party. And only what because of really two that? issues that shouldn't have been partisan yes. in the first place. Coming up. It doesn't go back when right. you stop using it. It's, it's, your brain doesn't return to the way it was before. It's permanently changed. A few more minutes with Brandon Weikert. In the final segment of the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Stay with it. Sebastian Gorka here. Don't risk losing the trusted news, traffic, talk shows, and weather you get from AM radio stations. It's time to make your voice heard. We need Congress to pass the AM radio for every vehicle act to keep AM radios in cars. When internet and cell services are out, AM could be your only lifeline. Text AM. 
to 52886 and tell Congress to pass this critical legislation or visit dependonam.com for more information. Message and data rates may apply, and you may text STOP to STOP. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. The dystopian fiction of George Orwell has never seemed so prescient as it has over the course of these last few years. The Orwellian distortions of the English language alone could be the subject of a contemporary essay. Seth was reflecting on another short story from Orwell's era. Let's catch a few more minutes of Seth Leibson with Brandon Weikert. All right, let me throw one more scenario at you, Brandon, because this really bothers me. I'm just really concerned about my country and countrymen right now. I don't know if you know a little bit of uh, a short story from the 1960s Kurt Vonnegut wrote called Harrison Bergeron. You may not, but it's a dystopian short story where, I mean, you're in an Orwellian world where the government has put signals in everyone's brains. So if you think too deeply about something, an automatic signal will go off to scatter your thoughts. So you can't spend too much time thinking deeply, lest you question, right? All right. So my friend Tevi Troy, you may or may not know Tevi. Yes. uh, Yeah. He said to me this morning, what frightens is that we're now doing this to ourselves. It's not government doing this to us. We're doing it to ourselves. Well, the government's complicit. The government... Uh, Yes, they offered it up. uh, Yes, you're right. They offered it up, and we said... God, yes, make us dumb. God, yes, make us weak. Yes. God, yes, make of us course. dependent. Yeah. Yes. I don't know if you saw the recent weaponization committee on yes. the Hill. Yes. They determined yes. that the DARPA, mm-hmm. along with the National Science Foundation since 1999, yes. working with University of Michigan, Stanford, and other universities, computer science departments, have been building artificial intelligence capabilities and machine learning and all that sort of thing that are aimed at creating censorship weapons yep. for the military. Yep. But the Biden administration, when they took power, redirected that 30-year-old or 20-year-old mission now, and they deployed it in the name of misinformation or fighting fake news. Sure. They deployed it against Republicans on social media Correct. platforms. And elsewhere. Right. So there's your example. You know, it may not be directly beaming a signal into the brain. As might as well be. Not. It might as well, because what we have found, and again, I wrote about this at the Law and Liberty uh, website over a year ago. What we, found, what we have found is that scientifically, social media fundamentally changes your brain chemistry. Right. The more you use it. Right. Like a drug. Right. And it doesn't go back when right. you stop using it. It, it. Your brain doesn't return to the way it was before. It's permanently changed. And so you're constantly getting those dopamine hits. You're constantly getting all the kind of spikes in your brainwave patterns, et cetera. So, yeah, you basically are beaming a signal into your brain on any given political issue, and it's scrambling the way you think. Yeah. And that's why so many of our Americans who live and breathe uh, that, that social media world are basically living in the cave. Thanks for joining us for the Town Hall Review with you, Hewitt. If you enjoyed this program and the podcast, do us a favor of sharing it with a friend. Go to townhallreview.com. Let me point out real quick, you can get my podcast and this program, Town Hall Review, at the SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Special thanks to executive producer Russell Schubin, producer David Bouchon, Alex Perez, Harley Eide, Adam Ramsey, and of course, Dwayne Patterson. 
I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.